Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. So today, amidst the lockout, I want to go over the Mets offseason so far and my thoughts on the moves. It's been a while since my last episode, and in that time, there have been front office moves, there have been roster moves, and there have been there has been a managerial hire, so there is a lot to go over, and I'm really excited to dive into all of that. So first things first, the first thing I want to get off the table was the first move that really happened, which was the hiring of Billy Epler. So Billy Epler is a former Yankees exec and a former was a former Angels GM a, a few years ago. Uh, people came in with hesitations with him because of how... His experience with the Angels didn't ever get them to the playoffs and had some some questionable contracts under his lead. So people were a little a little iffy about him, but as I'm about to get into, I think so far he's doing a pretty good job. So just want to touch on that. He has been the GM now for about a month and a half or so. So not not too much to get into on his hiring, but just want to mention him as the new GM of the New York Mets. Now Going into roster moves, and I'm going to do this sort of as a losses and gains. And so for the Mets, loss-wise, they did lose some some significant players. So first, Noah Syndergaard and Aaron Loop both signed with the Angels. Syndergaard was offered a qualifying offer from the Mets. Ultimately, he took a larger deal for a larger one-year deal from the Angels and Loop ultimately took a, a pretty hefty two-year deal from the Angels as well. Now, my thoughts on both of these players, obviously, losing both of them really stinks. Noah Syndergaard, fan favorite. I loved having Thor on the team. However, the Mets were already giving him a pretty large and pretty risky deal with the, the one-year 18 plus million dollar qualifying offer that they were offering and extending to him. So him taking a larger, I think it was $21 million to the Angels. So him taking that offer over the Mets, I mean, I you, the Mets couldn't really have done anything more. I, and I wouldn't have wanted them to do anything more. So, you know, from a personal standpoint, it stinks. It's, you know, it, it hurts to lose him. It hurts to lose Thor. But from a, from a, a financial side from a logical side it, it wouldn't have made sense for them to offer the deal that the angels ultimately gave him now looking at loop that one hurts a little bit but honestly it's the same situation from from a a purely player standpoint and impact standpoint loop was the best reliever by far on the Mets and one of the best relievers in the entire league last year. He had a, a sub one ERA. He was almost perfect every time he came out of the bullpen. So it really hurts to lose him. However, he got a, a two year, $17 million deal from the angels. And for a reliever, that's a little bit of an overpay, especially since that was loops best year by far. You have to expect him to kind of come back down to earth and paying him that much money is, you know, again, a little bit illogical from a Mets standpoint where the Mets have a lot of holes to fill. So losing both of those players to the Angels and they both came sort of back to back when they did, it was it was pretty like, ugh, man, the Mets are really missing out on these guys. But I think overall, when you look at it logically, and it's also easier to look at it from a from a perspective looking at the gains the Mets have made, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. But, you know, it, I think overall the Mets 
made a smart move to not be super aggressive on those two players. Would I have liked both of them back? Absolutely. I think that bringing both of them back would have been beneficial to the Mets, but I think at the cost and the prices that they both left for, you can't you can't really blame the Mets for stopping at the the point where they did. Next, Javier Baez went to the Tigers. This one, and I'm about to get into Stroman as well, these two players, they, these were two players that I really would have liked the Mets to bring back. I liked the way Baez played at the end of the year, the energy he brought. He obviously had his connection with Francisco Lindor, and then also on the flip side, he also had his negatives with his personality, with the thumbs down scandal and everything, but he definitely brought a spark to the lineup, and while when he came was really when the Mets had their their sort of falling apart for a multitude of reasons. I think he did provide some nice power, some good energy, and, you know, his big thing, his big knock on him is his strikeouts, but he really was turning that around. So, honestly, him, he was honestly able to get on base a lot with the Mets. Um, so, I, it was tough losing him. All of these players weren't necessities to bring back but they would have been nice and especially with Baez and Stroman they would have been two guys that I would have really liked to have on the team now Stroman he went and signed with the Cubs again this was a guy that I would have really loved to have back on the team last season Stroman really stepped up with the Mets especially when DeGrom went down really moved into that that number one starter role when DeGrom was out. He made 33 starts, which was huge for the Mets because basically the entire pitching staff had lost some some sort of time at some point during the season. So having Stroman be that consistent, pitching to a 302 ERA for the year, you know, and and making 33 starts, 179 innings pitched, it was he was a rock basically for the Mets to lean on. And uh, of all the of all the free agent departures that have happened so far for the Mets, I think Stroman hurts the most. I think even with the signing of Max Scherzer, which I'm obviously going to talk about in a little bit, but you know, even with that move, it would have been nice to bring back Stroman. And then finally, this isn't a loss, but as I'm going to talk about with these gains, it kind of seems like Michael Conforto's time with the Mets is done, and so. You know, things can change, obviously. Who knows? He might be back on the Mets. But, you know, considering what Conforto seems to be looking for, which is a multi-year deal and a fairly large multi-year deal at that, plus with the moves the Mets have made, it kind of seems like a reunion's unlikely. So that's a really just unfortunate loss. I think last year was was a major down year, but he, he does tend to be an up-and-down player. But just being homegrown and with the power and the defensive prowess that I think goes sort of under the radar with Conforto, I think it does stink to lose that kind of player for the team. Now, now that I'm done with the the major losses for the Mets, I want to get into the gains. So on Black Friday, the Mets made a flurry of deals, and all of these were happening before the player lockout when no more deals could be completed all within a couple hours of each other. So the first one was Eduardo Escobar. They signed him to a two-year, $20 million deal. Escobar is an infield utility man. He plays third base, shortstop, second base. He's a switch hitter. 
He has a career slash line of 256, 309, 436 with a 745 OPS. Last year with both Arizona and Milwaukee, he hit 253, 314, 472 with a 786 OPS. And he is also a extra base hit machine. He had 28 home runs last year with 26 doubles and 90 RBI. So he's a very productive hitter. He is a guy who gets a lot of extra base hits. He's a guy who drives in a lot of runs. In 2019, he hit 35 home runs with 29 doubles, 10 triples, and 118 RBIs, you know, showing what he has the potential to do. I think a two-year $20 million deal is a great smart deal for the Mets to get a guy like this. He can play third base, which is right now where it seems like he'll be playing with with Lindor at short and either McNeil or Cano potentially at second base, but he does give you that versatility that he can bounce around. So I really, really like this signing, and as I'm going to get into when I just kind of get into all of these signings, I love them all, so I think the Mets have done a really good job so far. But the next deal the Mets completed was with Mark Canna. He's an outfielder, and they signed him for two years, $26.5 million. So he has a career slash line of 244, 344, 431 with a 776 OPS. Last year, he hit 231, 358, 387 for a 746 OPS. With Canna, he is not a huge average hitter. He does have some pop. He does have some some power in his at-bats. He hit 17 home runs last year. He hit 26 in 2019 with Oakland. Both of them with Oakland, obviously, but 26 in his, his next full season, not really looking at 2020 because of that being the shortened year, but you know, 17 home runs this year, 26 in 2019. He also, a big thing with Canna is he walks a lot. He had 77 walks this year. He had 67 in 2019, and he also had 37 in the, the shortened season in 2020. So he is a, a guy who gets on base a lot via the walk. His past three seasons, he's had on base percentages of 358, 387, and 396 in 2019. So he's a guy, while he's not going to be getting a ton of hits for you, although in 2019 he did hit 273, although he might not be getting a ton of hits for you, he's going to be getting on base, and he does bring some power as well, even from a big park in Oakland. And then finally, the the last Mets move that they made on Black Friday was signing outfielder Starling Marte. So Marte's deal was for four years, $78 million. He has a career slash line of 289, 346, 451 for a 797 OPS. Last year, he had a great season. He hit 310 with a 383 on base percentage and a 458 slugging percentage for an 841 OPS. And he also stole 47 bases. So, you know, he brings a, a great bat, a guy who gets on base a lot, uh, a Brandon Nimmo type of bat, uh, hence his 346 on base percentage for his career and a 383 on base percentage last year. And he also flashed the bat, obviously, with his 310 batting average last year and his 289 batting average for his career. And also looking at his OPS Plus, he had a 132 OPS Plus, and OPS Plus measures batters on a league average of 100, so that's amazing. And then, you know, skipping over 2020, obviously a shortened season, but he had a 119 OPS Plus in 2019, so pretty solid year in 
in that that last full season as well. So, you know, just looking at Marte, Canna, and Escobar, I'm really loving these moves. I'm going to get into more of my thoughts, but all three, I think, are very solid deals. And yeah, so finally, the biggest signing of the offseason, I think the biggest signing for really any team in the offseason, but especially for the Mets, was the inking of Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million deal. His $43.3 million average annual value is the largest for any player in MLB history. And I mean, there's it's tough to get into Scherzer's stats because he's just so good and has done it for so long. Over his 14-year career, he has a record of 190 and 97 with a 316 ERA and a 1084 whip. Last year, he went 15-4 and with a 246 ERA, and he also has three Cy Young Awards in his career. He is one of the best pitchers and one of the best players in the entire league, and he's a sure Hall of Famer, and he's also an eight-time All-Star, and he's pitched two no-hitters in his career. So yeah, just... just a dominant pitcher, a dominant competitor, and it's exciting to have him as part of the Mets rotation. And then the final addition I want to go over with the Mets is the hiring of Buck Showalter to be the Mets' next manager. He has a 506 winning percentage for his managerial career, and he is a three-time winner of the AL Manager of the Year Award in 1994, 2004, and 2014. And today, this morning, he was, or this afternoon, he was officially introduced as manager of the New York Mets. So right now, I'm going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to get into my thoughts on the signings the Mets have made and the entire offseason so far. All right, and welcome back. So now I just want to get into my thoughts on all of these players and my thoughts on the offseason as a whole. In the first half, I know that was a very quick run through, a quick run through of all their stats and, you know, just some general stats to give you an idea of what these players are like and what they're about. But I think the Mets did, you know, they did more than I would have expected them to do, especially before the lockout. The three players that they signed on Black Friday were all to deals that I felt were extremely reasonable and extremely beneficial for both player. Obviously, they're, they're nice, sizable deals for for all three players, but also I think they're all very smart, good moves for the Mets. The concern with all three players, and really all four players, if we're counting Scherzer as well, is that they're all 30-plus years old. You know, Escobar is 32, Canna is also 32, Marte is 34 or 33, and then you have Scherzer, who is 37. And so, you know, that's that's a risk. That's That's a little bit risky and is not seen too often teams going all in on these these older players you know obviously they're not super old but older players but I think the Mets you know two years 20 million to Escobar two years 26 and a half million to Canna four years 78 to Marte I think those are all smart deals but they're bringing in players that are going to make huge impacts the Mets lost some infielders with Baez and they they don't haven't at least brought back VR so you know you're you're losing that sort of versatility in the infield and now you brought in a guy who can play a bunch of different infield positions and has a big bat to to 
to accompany it. In the outfield, you lost Pilar, who is still a free agent, and Conforto, who's also still a free agent. But you brought in Canna, who's a solid fielder. He's he's not the best, but he's a solid fielder who gets on base a lot to play in right field. And you brought in Marte, who gets on base a ton and steals a ton of bases to play in center field. So now your outfield for the Mets looks like Nimmo in left, Marte in center, and Canna in right. I think compared to last year's outfield, which was Smith slash Davis slash McNeil slash Pilar in left, Nimmo in center, and Conforto in right. To me, the the Nimmo, Marte, Canna outfield is a lot better and is a huge upgrade. And really, the Mets didn't, in my opinion, really overpay for anyone outside of what you need to just bring a guy of these, these players' calibers into the team. Now, with Scherzer, they did break the bank for him. <laughs> I mean... Uh, $43.3 million AAV, that breaks the record by over $7 million, which was $36 million AAV to Garrett Cole. That is breaking the bank, and he is an older player. But with his caliber of pitching and of his caliber of com- competitiveness, I think bringing in a player like him is huge. Imagine going into a, uh, forget about a playoff series, just a regular, regular season series uh, a three-game series, and two out of those three games you have to face DeGrom first and then Scherzer the next day. That is just an insane rotation and is just huge for this team. So looking at it, the Mets went out and improved this team drastically. You're now looking at, like I said, an outfield that now has Marte and Canna in it with Nimmo playing out of his un position that he wasn't fully comfortable in in center field you're moving him to a corner outfield position where he has historically played a lot better you added a versatile big bat in Escobar into your infield who hits a lot of extra base hits and can play a decent infield and you've added now one of the one of the best pitchers in the game and the best pitcher on the market in Max Scherzer to a rotation that already has Jacob deGrom even in just four signings the Mets have made an insane amount of improvements to a team that was really disappointing towards the end last year. And then on top of all of this, all of these players and the improvements on the roster side of things, you look at Buck Showalter and bringing in an experienced manager who has experience turning teams around and and making teams go from, you know, a struggling team that that hasn't been making the playoffs and turning them into playoff teams. He's led the the Yankees and the Diamondbacks and the Orioles all to the playoffs in his time as a manager. And while he hasn't really had that much success in the postseason, he has that experience in turning teams around and being the guy who can do that relatively quickly. I've I've seen a lot of concerns with Showalter in that he's an old school guy. They don't know how much he'd be willing to embrace analytics, but I watched his and listened to his entire introductory press conference today, and he made it clear that he's open to doing whatever he can to help the team. He discussed his his curiosity in learning all the information that the team and the front office has available to him, doing whatever it takes to put the players in the best position, and that's what I really liked about Showalter's press conference was his emphasis on making sure the players are really the ones that are succeeding. He talked about how his job is to make sure the players have 
the best opportunity in front of them to succeed. He wants to be collaborative, listen to how the players look at things, and then go from there. He wants to be collaborative, obviously, with the front office as well. So I really liked what Showalter was saying, and I think what was important is his experience. He has experience. The Mets went and have really gone through a bunch recently with with Mickey Calloway and then Luis Rojas of inexperienced managers, and I think bringing in an experienced guy like Showalter is extremely huge for a team trying to win now. Now, all of this being said, all of the the player signings that the Mets have done and hiring Buck Showalter now as manager, I think is extremely important for the rest of the offseason in showing to other teams and signaling to other teams that the Mets mean business. Now, we said this last year, obviously, but I think this year Steve Cohen really went all out. The Mets are far and away over the, the luxury tax threshold, which they weren't last year. They've gone all in on bringing in top players and have gone in, gone out and brought in a successful, experienced manager to lead these guys, showing that it's win-now mode for the Mets. And I think that's important, A, because it signals to other teams that the Mets mean business and the Mets are working to compete, but it also signals to other free agents and and potential signees that this is a place to go if you're looking to win. And, you know, that could help the Mets in the sense that maybe players are, are willing to take a little less money to come play for the Mets because it seems like the Mets are, are really going all in this year. The Mets have been linked to uh, Chris Bryant, possibly. I'm a big fan of him, obviously. I've, I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Billy Epler has mentioned, you know, discussing trades with other, with other teams. So who knows, maybe for a starter or a reliever or another big bat, because I do think the Mets could use another big bat. And they definitely need more pitching and relief pitching, but, you know, who knows? But I think it's really important, and the moves that the Mets have made have been great because they signal to the league and to other players that the Mets are a good destination to sign with. Overall, you know, sitting here in the midst of, of a lockout, um, nothing else is really going on, but I'm very, very happy with how the Mets offseason is going so far. There's still work to do, clearly, but I think overall they've really really done a great job already so far so all we can do is is wait out this lockout and then get excited for for the rest of the offseason and then getting into spring training and the regular season I'm I'm very excited for 2022 and the way this offseason has gone so far has only gotten me more excited for the 2022 Mets season so let me know what you think. Send any thoughts, questions, opinions about anything I said or anything else about the Mets to my Twitter, at PodMets. I love talking about the Mets. I love talking about baseball. So send any of your thoughts to my Twitter, at PodMets. And don't forget to follow as well. So that is going to be it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Like I just said, be sure to follow my Twitter at PodMets and follow the podcast wherever you listen so that you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much again for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.